Welcome to Life is Art. Today we're speaking with Jack Sundell, co-founder, along with his wife, Corey, of The Root Cafe. They also own and run Dos Rocas in South on Maine. The Root Cafe is known locally and nationally as a great place to find vegetarian and vegan-friendly food, as well as locally sourced meats. Beautiful vegetables combined to make great plates. Jack is going to talk to us today about where the idea came from, his passion for developing a workplace that he enjoys going to, and what it means to be an entrepreneur in the restaurant business. Jack Sundell, thanks for sitting down with us at Life as Art. You bet. I'm happy to be here. Jack, you uh, are the founder and manager at The Root Cafe. Tell me how you started The Root Cafe and what was the founding idea? Well, um, I I just want to make sure that you know my wife was involved uh, as well from the beginning. So we're co-owners and co-operators. She's my partner, obviously, in life and then also in the business. Um, we, uh, We started with this idea of building community through local food, and that's really been our guiding principle um, with everything that we do with The Root. Um, Early on, we, uh, you know, we were, uh, uh, from the very beginning, talking about it in terms of a local foods cafe, and, um, you know, the the two elements of that, obviously, are local foods, wanting to focus on Arkansas farmers, Arkansas producers, um, you know, find a way to bring that great rural bounty that we have in Arkansas into Little Rock, into the city where there are obviously a lot of people, a lot of, uh, you know, income and, uh, you know, the, 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 the ability to support and, uh, the farmers and purchase the goods that they're producing. So, um, so we felt like, um, you know, bringing local foods into Little Rock was an important part of the mission. And then, uh, the, uh, you know, the cafe aspect of that is kind of the community side, you know, the idea of a public space where people come together and they talk about their lives. They talk about what's going on in the city. They talk about sports. They talk about, you know, whatever it is that's, that's, uh, happening and, uh, you know, meet new people, you know, so this fun sort of exciting vibe where, you know, you, you, you hang out, you, you know, you get to know, uh, the people in your community, you spend time, you know, outside of your house being part of something. And, uh, you know, for us, we felt like local foods was the way that we could kind of start that conversation. What should our Kansans be looking for particular over, say, the next three months? What should we really be expecting to come into full season right now? Well, um, you know, some of the nice spring crops, um, the, the brassicas, you know, the, um, cabbage, uh, broccoli, cauliflower, you'll start to see those, the leafy greens. We've got some farmers who are producing amazing collard greens and kale. Um, so those are, uh, those are, you know, more temperate crops. And a lot of times in Arkansas, you'll see them in the spring and then you'll see them in the fall and, you know, they can't withstand the heat of the summer, but, um, you know, they're, uh, they, they are a really good, um, kind of just, cool, coolish, warmish weather crop. Mm-hmm. And then moving into the summer, you mentioned berries earlier. Uh, I have childhood memories of walking on my, on my dad's property and picking blackberries and coming back with legs full of chiggers and bites mm-hmm. and so forth, but buckets of berries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two others, uh, eggplant and okra for the summer in Arkansas, are both, yeah. uh, kind of do a really good job. Okra especially is, is one that like, 
you know, it, it actually gets so hot in the summer generally that tomatoes stop producing. Um, but then that's when okra just flourishes, you know, and suddenly like the only thing at the market is, it feels like is okra and, uh, maybe watermelons, you know, there's so much great produce. If ran a question, but if you had to pick one, one fruit or vegetable that you were going to focus on for the rest of your life, what would it be? What's your favorite? Wow. I just don't know if I can do that. I, <laughs> I think it's uh it really is so seasonal, you know, and, and that's a, another kind of funny thing about, about produce is when you, when you eat seasonally, certain things just don't feel right at certain times of the year, you know? So I've noticed that, uh, we, you know, we've got farmers who have greenhouses and sometimes they'll grow like a, a super specialty crop of like, they're able to keep some strawberries alive in December or something like that. And they'll come to market with a couple of quarts of them. And, you know, it just, I love strawberries, but when I see them in December, it just doesn't, speak to me the same way that like, you know, it's a sign of spring and it's one of these things where you're, you know, you kind of, as the weather warms up, you start to, you know, everyone feels excited and fresh and new and, you know, there's a sense of rejuvenation and everything. And then you see strawberries at the market and it's just like, they're the, that sort of perfect, uh, icon, you know, for that, for spring weather and, you know, everything's starting to bloom and come back to life. You know, so that is like tied up in that meaning, you know, that's like strawberries. It's the flavor, but it's also the, you know, the idea that it represents something, you know, a particular time of the year and then tomatoes the same way. And, you know, I, th I think even the, you know, the fall crops, the way you feel when you see pumpkins at the market, you know, you start to think, oh, it's going to be Halloween soon. And you also miss things when they're gone, you know. So, you know, you, you actually, if you don't eat tomatoes when they're not in season, by the time they do come back around in the season, you are so eager for them, you know, and then you just kind of eat them until you've had enough. And then, you know, about the time that you're satisfied, they're gone, you know, and then by the time they come back around the next year, you're, you're so excited about them again. Yeah. What a lovely thought that it's, it's a, it's a way to, to miss things and to be a little gluttonous when they come in season and then right. to enjoy them that way. One of the things that I noticed uh, in the root is that not only have you really built a culture around locally sourced food and, and such, but you've also built an internal employee culture. Uh, your employees seem to be happy to be there. Uh, and I used to work in the restaurant industry as a waiter as well. And that, that kind of culture where people are happy to be there, they're on the ball, they're engaged is different than when, than where people just come in and work hard. Um, how have you started to foster that type of culture. And as your restaurant has evolved over the years, what do you look for now in employees? Yeah, that's been one of the, uh, you know, establishing a positive staff culture has been one of, I think the most important goals for us. And also one of the, uh, one of the toughest things to accomplish. Everyone wants to work in a positive work environment, but, but we don't always realize that there are intentional decisions that go into creating an environment like that. Like what? Well, um, you, I think you have to set standards for, you know, for what sort of behavior is acceptable. I've kind of come to think of it as, you know, uh, uh, most people want to fit in in their work environment. And so when you start in a new place, if the overall culture is incredibly positive, then most people are 
going to adapt to that and and be positive because they want to fit in and they want to be part of a the sort of social milieu the, you know the way that it's, that is if they come into a place and the culture is negative and you know people talk about each other and people snipe at customers and you know say rude things behind people's backs even a person who's not necessarily negative at heart will let themselves kind of become part of that uh, that group mentality because they want to fit in. They want, you know, they don't want to come to work and be the odd person out. So if the culture is negative, the majority of people will sort of adapt to that so that they can be, you know, they can, uh, fit in. Mm -hmm. So we've, uh, you know, with the help of, uh, some of our really great managers on staff, we've tried to pinpoint some of those personality traits that as we're going through the hiring process that we, can just try and figure out, is this someone who's going to help us to achieve that really positive staff culture? Well, I love the positive staff culture. I think that we've all uh, had jobs where, as you said, you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, I got to go back to that environment. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the work. It has to do with the environment. And I found it within myself, I can do really grueling work, but if I love my coworkers and I love the atmosphere, um, it makes the work not just bearable. It makes the work fun. You find ways to enjoy that. What are some uh, suggestions perhaps that you would give even to other managers or employers who are going, yeah, I want to develop that within my own culture, within my own, my own staff, and I can't start with clean slate. I can't fire everybody and start over with the application process. What are some things that people could be doing now to develop positivity in the workplace? I think in some ways... It's, it's really a matter of making the right personnel decisions. Um, I mean, you're right. You can't fire everyone and start over, but you can look at your crew and uh, identify the people who are positive, and you can put them in positions of leadership. Um, you know, someone who has great technical skills but poor people skills is often the, the worst person to put in a management position. And often... You know, when you're thinking about who to promote, who to make a leader on your staff, you think, well, I need someone to, you know, I mean, this isn't a real example, but, you know, like I need someone to manage the sandwich station who is the best at making sandwiches. And, you know, management's a totally different thing than technical skills. So often the person who, who is the best or the fastest at, at doing a particular task doesn't make the best manager for managing that task. There's a lot of moving around that happens in restaurants. And, you know, people work somewhere for two years. And, you know, in a way, once they've learned everything that they feel they have the opportunity to learn, a lot of times they start to kind of get in a rut and feel a little stagnant. And, you know, if uh, if someone doesn't get new challenges, then a lot of times they'll just sort of start to, you know, just feel negative and, and uh kind of spread that to other staff members. So, I mean, offering your staff new challenges, moving people around and making sure that they get cross-trained and learn new skills, that can be really helpful because a lot of times people are happy when they're learning something. And then when they have to do the same thing every day for two years, they don't like it and they resent it. And that's, a, a I think, an important part of that. But then, you know, you've got to be willing to part ways with people who aren't able to get on board. It's It's really that important. You know, you could have someone who is awesome, who does a great job, you know, whatever the task is, it always looks right. But if they're not willing to be nice to their coworkers and they have to have this, this conflict, 
going on in order to feel important or to feel satisfied with what they're doing. It's just better for them to pack their bags and go. And you'll find someone else who can do the job they were doing. And you will not, for an instant, miss the negativity that they brought to work with them. I think being intentional and being explicit about it is actually one of the things we've changed the most lately. Because in the past, I do remember a few times when, you know, say we've had someone who was a great employee and they started to to hit that point where they were getting in a rut. And we just didn't move to to make changes immediately and to identify it and sit them down and hold them accountable and say, Hey, I noticed you're starting to complain. What's going on? Is everything okay? And, and then just being clear about, you know, we're looking for positivity. That's what we want. How, how long have you kept employees? I know that the food service industry on the whole tends to have a high turnover rate, but I think you probably had some a little longer than most other places. Yeah, we've got, um, we've got several employees who have been with us for, more than five years. Um, we've got uh, one guy on staff who actually, uh, he's uh, he and his wife partnered with us on this new project, but uh, he was uh, at the root basically since we opened. Um, and he's spending most of his time at, at Dos Rocas now, but he was with us for eight years, or almost eight years, um, before he moved down there. Um, and uh, we've got you know several people on staff who have been there for four years, three years. I mean, two years at this point is a not necessarily a long term of service uh, at The Root. The Root Cafe has gotten some additional national exposure. Guy Fieri came through and, and, and talked to you guys. What was that experience like? And what, if anything, did you learn from that or take away from that? Well, um, yeah, we were recently on Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. And uh, it was, honestly, it was a really great experience. I mean, um, you know, I was... Uh, not exactly sure, you know, what it, what it would be like. Um, but they were super professional. They were, they had a, a, a crew production crew that was in town for about a week and they filmed with us for three days. We actually had to close for a couple of days, uh, Wednesday and a Friday that we normally would have been open. And, uh, they took about 15 hours of footage, um, to just to produce, uh, I think what was about an eight minute segment. But they knew exactly what they were after. I mean, they've done, you know, over a thousand restaurants on the show. And so they basically were like, here's what we're doing the first day. Here's what we're doing the next day. Here's the last day. Here's the two-hour slot when Guy Fieri is actually going to be here. So we've got to take advantage of that to get all these different shots that we need. Um, but, you know, we're thrilled to have been on it. It's a, a show that airs, you know, every two or three months, basically, they they replay those episodes so the episode that has the root on it has aired, I think, five or six different times. And every time that it does, we see a, you know, a big spike, especially with like interest in our website because it's a national and even an international show. And uh, I think it's a, a good thing for us long term as a business to, to have that just always sort of growing foundation of, of awareness that people are seeing the Root Cafe, hearing about Little Rock might not be the reason they visit Little Rock, but, you know, when they're here, they're going to maybe look up a place that they, uh, they heard about on diners, drive-ins and dives, and then come down to South Maine, check out the neighborhood, visit the route. But at the same time, they'll probably also visit Loblolly Creamery and they'll visit Rocktown Distillery. And, you know, they'll be, they'll be there and they'll, uh, you know, 
I think it helps. It's a good thing for us, a good thing for mm-hmm. the neighborhood mm-hmm. and the city as a whole. People listening to this, what would you invite them into the Root Cafe to try today? What are some of your favorites on the menu? Well, I think the cheeseburger is a really uh, great item. It's a, um, you know, it's something that we put a lot of thought, a lot of love into. We get a whole cow at a time, and we grind the uh, beef in house, hand patty every burger, um, we cook them to order. So uh, I think that's a uh, you know it's made on a community bakery bun, which is just three blocks away from the root, and uh, we only serve tomatoes when they're in season. Um, we have spring mix from Arkansas Natural Produce. Uh, put garlic mayo on the bun that we make from scratch from uh, locally sourced eggs. So uh, we, you know, we really put a lot of work, a lot of thought into that. We have dill pickles. We don't make those in-house, um, but uh, sliced dill pickles, grilled onions, and then uh, Dijon mustard. But it's really a delicious, juicy burger. Um, and then we serve it with a little side salad, and that's from Arkansas Natural Produce as well. Let's say that a couple comes in to have a meal. What do you hope their experience is like on the whole? Well, you know, I, I, I hope that, I hope that it is an experience. Like that's part of what we're looking for, you know, that it's and obviously a positive experience, but you know, we want them to come in and, and, uh, have a great meal, you know, eat something that tastes incredibly delicious and fresh, but also to, you know, have a positive interaction with our staff to, you know, to, to be surrounded by other people who are having a good time and enjoying themselves and, and, you know, chatting and, um, you know, I, I love it when the, uh, you know, when the weather's nice and people can sit out in the courtyard or on the patio, um, you know, that just, uh, feeling that sort of, um, you know, that vibrant and lively atmosphere that I think that, um, you know, that we exude on our best days. And, uh, you know, my hope is that, uh, it, it, gives people a good image of Little Rock as a whole. You know, like when I did more traveling than I do now, a lot of times my, you know, my image of a, of a city that I visited could be heavily influenced by a particular place that I ate or a, you know, a single experience that I had. And so I, I really hope that the route can be that experience for someone who's visiting Little Rock and, you know, they leave thinking, wow, what a cool place, you know, and they enjoyed the route, but you know, in their mind, that's going to be sort of synonymous in some ways with Little Rock. You know, it'll be a big part of the experience they had here, and they'll they'll leave thinking, "Wow, that was a you know a great place. I can't wait to go back there." Jack, this has been truly a pleasure. Thank you for your time. You bet. Enjoyed being here. Thank you for listening to Life as Art. You can find us at lifeasart.us. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Our editing and recording is supervised by Ygay Karenbauer on the UA Little Rock campus. Go to our website, lifeisart.us, and click subscribe to receive emails about upcoming events in central Arkansas and, of course, upcoming podcasts.